Hi, I'm Brooke Schnapp. I go to Butler Tech. I'm doing a podcast on Eric Nett and his military experience in the Air Force. Um, I'm just going to be asking a few questions about your military experience. Yes. All right, cool, cool. Okay. Um, what branch were you in? I was in the Air Force. Um, how did you imagine the Air Force life before you joined? What's that now? How did you imagine the Air Force life before you joined? Well, I really wasn't sure. I just knew that... Um, the reason why I ended up going in that branch was because my dad was in the Air Force during the Korean War. And I was like, you know, I looked at some of the other things that I considered being a Marine first. And then I liked some of the jobs that they had in the Air Force that had to do a lot more with electronics and things like that. Okay. Um, did any of, the, any other of your family members besides your dad was in the Air Force? Uh, in the Air Force? Um, let me think. No, but I do have many people that were... Um, in various branches of the armed forces. Would you pick the different branch if you, before you, like, after your experience from the Air Force? No, no, not at all. I really, I really enjoyed the Air Force. Um, it was, it was a really good match for me. Um, what was the most impactful thing you learned while you were in the Air Force? Oh, boy. I don't know if I could say there was a learning of an impactful thing. I would say it was more along the lines of, <clears throat> I really liked that it, um, I was very fortunate that I got to live in a lot of different places. I was in for about five years, and I got to live in some really, really cool places. Um, I was in Denver for a year, and then I was in Las Vegas for a year and a half. And then I was in South Korea for a year, and then I was in Salt Lake City for a year and a half. Um, which one was your favorite place? Oh boy, that was that's tough. I really, <laughs> really liked. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on both sides of the Rockies between Denver, Colorado, and Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I think I actually really enjoyed Salt Lake City the most. Um, the the skiing there was a little bit better than Denver. And uh, I used to do a lot of things. Like one thing, I remember when I first went there, I actually got to go skiing in July because there was still enough snow. Um, what was the hardest part of being in the Air Force? Uh, I would say to me the hardest part was that they could basically tell you you have to get up and move at any point. You know, whether you change the base that you're stationed at or whether you had to go on something they call the temporary duty assignment, which is a TUI, where maybe you have to go and uh, serve, whether it's in Afghanistan or someplace else where there might be some, uh, some action going on. You know, you never knew. Um, if you went into work, you literally come in, and someone would call you and sit down and say, hey, guess what? You got 30 days, and you're going to be living in Korea for a year now.
and you have to literally just be able to adapt and adjust to those things very quickly. Yes. Um, did you meet um, a lot of people in Air Force that impacted you? Yeah, I really did. Um, the biggest thing that I met with them was that, you know, it was just, it was great to be able to meet people that have lived all over and grew up in different cultures, different um, backgrounds, the way people were brought up to the families, you know, because they're from all over the country. And, uh, you know, it makes you realize that the way that you were brought up, the way that you lived, it's very, um, it's not what everyone experiences. And you have to see a whole lot of other people and how they were brought up and, you know, how that shaped how the type of people that they were. Um, do you still keep in contact with some of your friends or people you met? I do. That's actually probably the main reason I use Facebook. Um, <laughs> so there's people that were... Um, that I was stationed with, and you get to watch them and see them grow up and watch their families grow up. You get to see their kids. Um, but we use Facebook quite a bit, but there's a whole group of us, probably about 20 of us, that we all serve together. Um, what What was uh, basic training like? <laughs> Intense. Um, unfortunately, um, I did not use the best judgment when I was selecting when I was going to start, and I didn't realize what basic training was going to be, so I ended up going through basic training in, um, June and July, and part of August, um, and it's in San Antonio, Texas, so you can just imagine how hot it was, um, so, <laughs> it was, it was, it was a real awakening, um, that's for sure, um, Basic training was very intense. Um, the Air Force's basic training is a little bit different than like the Army or the Marines. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more physical, tend to be a little bit more mental. Um, but they would, you know, be very, very strict. You know, basically just having people in your face all the time, and um, you know, having to learn everything and be able to act and react under pressure and do things the exact right way. And also, when you're there, when you go to basic, they end up uh, selecting people that are kind of out of all the people going through basic. They would select people that would be leaders. And um, I guess for good or for bad, I got selected as being the leader of my whole uh, squad. <laughs> and um, so anytime anyone else screwed up, I also got in trouble. So um, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't very fun. <laughs> Um, what was, what do you think was the hardest part of basic training? Uh, for me, I would say, for me, it was understanding that you're there, no matter what happens, you can never give up, never quit. You know, you're, you're trying to do your best and, um, you know, you're under a lot of pressure. You know, you got your drill instructors and drill sergeants they are just, like I said, in your face, screaming at you nonstop. I mean, if you so much as folded a t-shirt in the wrong manner, you know, you would get chewed out. Um, you know, you would have to keep track of everything. Everything had to be done the exact way. You're just trying to remember all those little details while someone's sitting there yelling at your face. It, it's, it's a little bit tricky sometimes. 
You mean it wasn't the, the physical aspect of it, so I was in really good shape then. Um, I had actually wrestled for nine years, so the physical side wasn't too hard for me at all. It was for a lot of people, but that wasn't an issue for me. It was more of the just making sure you get everything right all the time. Was there times where you felt like you wanted to get up, give up, and why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're sitting there getting chewed out by a guy that's just, uh, you know, 200 pounds full of muscle, just screaming at your face and everything, you're like, man, this is just, I'm over this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was for something I did. It was for something that someone else did at that point, you know? They did, but, you know, you keep on going, you never give up. You always just got to keep pushing yourself and doing your best. And and the, the one thing I learned out of that that's carried through with me now because I, I actually coach a number of youth sports, uh, baseball, football, wrestling, uh, things like that. It's like, listen, mistakes are going to happen. Um, what's really key is that you learn from that mistake so it doesn't get repeated. People know you're going to make a mistake, but it's important that you realize and learn from that mistake instead of continuing to repeat it. And that's one of the biggest lessons I learned going through basic is that, you know, everyone's going to fail. Failure is how you you learn. Um, So failing is fine. Repeating that failure over and over, the same failure, that's what's not acceptable. And I carry that forward to this day with the teams that I coach. Um, Do you like coaching? Oh, I love coaching. I love coaching. I've got a, uh, uh, my son is 11 years old, um, and it's just something that I love. It's, um, I even say, you know, it's kind of funny. The um, I don't really care much about the sports. You know, I've got the knowledge for that and everything. The biggest thing, the, the reason why I coach is because I like seeing and developing kids. I like being able to say, hey, you know what? They don't see the confidence. They don't see the potential in themselves. They don't see all these different things that I see. And my job is to have them develop the confidence uh, and the skills to be able to bring out that potential that's in them that they don't see yet. To watch them go from knowing nothing or, or you know, having to learn a basic skill set to be able to master that and be able to execute it and be able to do it and watch the change in them and their confidence, not just in sports, but when they have that confidence, it carries forward to their schoolwork, it carries forward to their respect at home, the discipline they have at home, everything about that, that's what I love about it. Um, I heard you talking about your son. Would you ever recommend him going into any branch? Yeah, I've I've always told him from the get-go, I'm, I'm very, he's very fortunate, he's very gifted athletically and academically, um, and I've told him from the beginning is that, you know, there's three different paths when you're done, you know, when in, you can choose which, uh, whether it's going to college and getting a degree, going into a trade school and picking out a trade that you want to do, or going in the military, you know, it's, it's one of those things that got to be the direction that you go in once you get to that point in life. Um... What motivated you to join the military? Uh, for me, this is going to be the funny part. Okay, so let me preface this by saying that when I went to school after I got out of the military, when I went to college and got my degree, I was on the team list every single quarter. But let's go back now to finishing up high school. 
um, when I, when I went to college straight out of high school, but I was not mentally ready for it. It was just something where you're supposed to do it. I went and did it. And frankly, all I did was party and be irresponsible and waste a lot of money. Um, and then it just wasn't for me, so I stopped. And then I did some manual labor jobs for a while, whether I was working in a warehouse, doing construction, things of that nature. And one day I just said, you know what, I'm way too smart to be doing this the rest of my life. You know, I need something to get me out of this town where I was at and to be able to give me an opportunity and a fresh start. Um, and even though it was against what my parents wanted, I went ahead and signed up and it was the best thing I ever did. Okay. Um, how did your military experience affect your life today? It just allowed me to really feel comfortable about any situation. You know, it's, the biggest thing too is I really appreciate anything that we have here in the United States. Um, you know, when I lived in South Korea for a year, it, it was a lot different. It was something called the remote assignment. Um, the base that I was at was actually right on the yellow sea. Um, I, I literally could have thrown at baseball from my dorm room where I would sleep and being able to hit the, the, the water of the yellow sea. Um, and it was just where we were stationed at, it was very different than anything that I've experienced in the States. You know, when you're, if you go to Europe or something like that, which I've been there a few times in a bunch of different places, if you walk around, you can kind of make out what the words are. You know, you can kind of make out what someone's saying with this word or that word or anything. You know, it's kind of westernized a little bit. When you go to a place that's not westernized, like South Korea, you look at the sign, and I'm sorry, if you, if you don't speak the language, it's just squiggles and dots. You know, that that's all it is. <laughs> the, the, the language, there's nothing there where it's going to be like, oh, this is just like this word in English. It doesn't work like that. And then to be able to see things like, um, it was a very core area is where I was at. Now, you can have someplace like Seoul, Korea, which is just as technologically advanced as like New York City, but I wasn't there. I was about three hours away from Seoul, and it was very almost third world. There were people that would ride oxen for their main forms of transportation. There weren't always sewage systems like we have here for sewers, and right. there were just ditches on the side of the roads where people's waste would go. Um, you know, just, it was very, very different. So when I came back to the States, it just, it, you hear people complain, oh my God, I'm so sick of Cincinnati, I'm so sick of Ohio, and I'm not from here. I mean, that, that's anywhere you go, people say that, you know. Um, but after living there, you realize how good you have at any place here in the United States compared to what other people around the world might have. And having that perspective has just always made me feel very appreciative of the um, opportunities and the things that we have available here in the United States that a lot of people take for granted. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you learn any languages when you went to uh, different places? Um, not too much. When I, went, when I lived in South Korea, you kind of pick up just enough to get by. You know what I mean? Like, uh, where am I? What's your name? You know, uh, how to order food. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's one of the cool things about living in South Korea. Like, to this day, I still love Korean food. Like, I'll, I'll go out of my way to find a good Korean restaurant if I can find one. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite food? Right. Um, what was your favorite food when you was up there? My favorite food? Yeah. 
fathers, well, I'll tell you what, it was this period. It's a dish called bulgogi's, and they get thinly sliced and marinated beef um, with a bunch of different vegetables that were mixed into it. And then I would have it with a side of something called kimchi. And kimchi is basically pick whatever vegetable you like, and then you basically pickle it, and then they bury it underground for about, what, it could be up to a year. And they let it sit there and ferment. And when it's out, it's, it's very, very, very strong flavored, but it's, um, it's, it's just something I, it just grew on me. So I would have rice with bulgogi and kimchi all the time. It's like, that'd be like my hamburger and fries here. So. <laughs> Um, can you tell me a funny story or experience that could only happen in, in the military? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that you need one that's appropriate for class discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let me think. Um, That's a very good question. And one I'm just trying to have a hard time pulling the blank on that one. Let me pick on that one for a second. Maybe we can circle back. Okay. Um, what's one thing that made you proud that you did in the military? Uh, that would be that's that So when I was one of the places I was stationed at was Las Vegas, Nevada, and one of the jets I would work on for my job was a fighter jet that's called the F-16. Well, at Nellis Air Force Base, excuse me, there in Las Vegas, the Thunderbirds, which are their demonstration team, the people that do all the tricks and the air shows and all that type of stuff, well, the Thunderbirds are there, so I used to be able to fix and work on um, the actual Thunderbirds jets, which is really, really cool. They're the ones that are like red, white, blue, um, and again, they do all the different tricks, formations, all that type of stuff whenever you go to an air show. Yeah. Um, the Blue Angels for the Navy and the Thunderbirds for the Air Force. Oh, okay. Um, where did you serve the majority of your time in the service? It actually got split up over those four places I was telling you about. So it was Denver for a year, um, Las Vegas for a year and a half, and then um, South Korea for a year, and Salt Lake City for a year and a half. It's an assignment, but I kind of been thinking about like, um, like being like a nurse or something in the military because I want to go to nursing, yeah. but I'm like still like researching more about it. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that do that type of stuff. They would go in um, and try and actually get um, be able to work in a job that they want to do after the military. You know, I know, I know a lot of people that went that route. I'm doing a podcast. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> mm, I can't. 
might have answered a lot of the questions. <laughs> yeah. Um. Is there anything else you would do for me or anything like that related to this? Um, no. I think we should be good. Okay. Um. Thank you for letting me interview you. Oh, yeah, no worries at all. You'll have to uh, just shoot me a text and let me know what type of grade you got. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. You have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. In this podcast, I was speaking with Eric Nett about his military experience and some things he learned or experienced during it all. Also, I want to thank you for serving.